0: I am sending you out like sheep among wolves. Therefore be as shrewd as snakes and as innocent as doves. Be on your guard against men. They will hand you over to the local councils and flog you in their synagogues. On my account you will be brought before governors and kings as witnesses to them and to the Gentiles. But when they arrest you, do not worry about what to say or how to say it. At that time you will be given what to say for it will not be you speaking, but the spirit of your father speaking through you. Brother will betray brother to death, and a father his child. Children will rebel against their parents and have them put to death. All men will hate you because of me, but he who stands firm to the end will be saved. When you are persecuted in one place, flee to another. I tell you the truth. You will not finish going through the cities of Israel before the Son of Man comes.
1: Any reading of the Word of God is is interesting to me. This is is an extremely interesting text. Uh, First of all, we have to put it in its context. Uh, He's talking to the apostles. He's talking to those men that he's sending out to preach the coming of the kingdom of God. And he's sending them only to a certain group of people he's sending them only to the people that are called Israel so he's sending them to what we know of at that time as Jews, people who lived in Judea and he's warning them against the reaction that that they're going to get from their own people now that's why he talks about their parents as well in this that brother will rise against brother and, and father against son and so forth but but when he sends them out, he says, I'm, it, it, "It sounds almost like a death sentence, doesn't it?" He said, "I'm going to send you out as sheep among wolves. You're uh, you're at, you're in jeopardy. A sheep with wolves is in jeopardy of its life. So he's actually warning these men that not only is it going to be tough to get to them, to them, but..." but uh, they may take your life and he says he says beware of men they will deliver you up to the councils and will scourge you in their synagogues he's he's talking about a religious people that he's sending them to he's not sending them to the governments of this world he wasn't sending them to appear before the Senate or the house in the United States government or before Putin in Russia but before any of the magistrates in different countries, he, he's talking about sending them before their own people, the people that supposedly believed in God, and he uses a couple of terms here that I'm afraid when we when we read over it, and I have for years sometimes, when you when you read over it, you miss it. He said he said they will deliver deliver you up to the councils. Now this word council, if you look in your New Testament. It's spelled C-O-U-N-C-I-L instead of E O. A council generally is uh, giving someone advice or stating your opinion or bringing them before a tribunal so that we can talk about an issue. This is a council, and it's from the Greek word in the New Testament. It's only used a few times, but it's the word 70, which means the Sanhedrin. He's talking about them appearing before that group of men, the council that was established way back in Numbers in chapter 11. When Moses was before God and they created, they built the tabernacle, then God told Moses the issues of passing judgment and administering the law was too large for him. He was to select 70 men who were to help him and they were going to be inspired with God so that they could help apply the word of God. Seventy of them. And from that came the word Sanhedrin so that over the centuries the Israelites selected seven of the elders, the wisest men they had, seventy of these men, and they established all the rules and regulations for their people and actually interpreted the scriptures for them. So when Jesus was brought before the council, it's these 70 men. And they they uh, pronounced judgment on him. Had him killed. When Peter and James had gone up to the temple, you remember in Acts chapter 4, to pray, and there was a beggar there that was lame. He asked for alms, and, and Peter said, silver and gold have we none, such as we have, give what we need. So he granted him that he could, by the power of Jesus stand up and walk and he did Peter and James were called before the council Acts chapter 4 the council later on of course they told Peter and John don't you talk about Jesus anymore because what's happening was talking about Jesus was rubbing these 70 men wrong they didn't like it not only that but the people in the synagogues The Jews in the synagogues didn't like to hear it. But basically these 70 men had decided this man Jesus is not going to be among our people. So they killed him. Tried to get rid of him. He rose from the dead of course. So Peter and James were preaching that. They said you don't don't talk about him anymore. But what did Peter and James do? They went immediately back and started preaching about Jesus. Next time in Acts chapter 5 they got them all. Got all all the apostles and brought them before the council, and they beat them. And then they said, "You don't talk about Jesus anymore." Peter said, "We ought to obey God rather than man." They went ahead and preached in Jesus. Stephen, which was one of the seventy that or the seven that the apostles had had selected to help feed the widows in Acts chapter six. Remember, they were having a problem feeding the, the widows, the Christian widows. So seven men were selected to help serve, and Stephen was one of them. Well, Stephen was also preaching the gospel. He was preaching about Jesus. And some of the Grecian Jews who had come from other countries had heard him, and they brought Stephen before the council. And they pronounced judgment on him and killed him. So this text that we're talking about here, in uh, Matthew chapter 10 this warning that Jesus is giving he said, I'm sending you as sheep among wolves who are the wolves? religious minded people now I want to tell you something when we talk about people being persecuted in other countries it's because of religious persecution it's not government persecution the government is used by religions in order to administer the uh, terror now, let's, let's read this a little bit. Let's, let's go through this a little bit. He said, I'll, I'll deliver, you'll be delivered up to councils and they'll scourge you in their synagogues. You'll be brought before governors. Who's going to bring you before a governor? Your religious persecutors. The people that felt, felt like that their religion, their belief, their faith was being jeopardized and so they were persecuting those who were in opposition to them. That's what they did. And they followed the Apostle Paul all over the country because he was preaching Jesus and they were stirring up the persecution and using the government in order to punish him. That's what he's saying here. They'll bring you up before governors and kings for my sake and for a testimony against them and the Gentiles. But he said, when they deliver you up, don't worry about it. Don't worry about what you speak because I will give you what you're going to say. Well, we understand that. And then he said the brother will rise up against the brother, deliver the brother to death, the father, the child. He's talking about people who are enraged because of the fact that what they believe in God is being challenged by Jesus Christ and by those who are preaching Jesus Christ. That's what they're talking about. They're not talking about the fact that because you, you want to do something... That, that the society doesn't want to do, for instance, that you you feel like you 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 should not engage in some of the activities that society is engaging in. That's not what he's talking about. He's talking about religious persecution. He's talking about the fact that people don't 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 uh, agree with what you are teaching, and therefore they're going to bring some pressure on you. That's that was going on here. But he said, when they persecute you in this city, flee to another. For I, I say unto you, you shall not have gone over the cities of Israel. So he's talking about that day and that time and that situation. And by extension, we could say it happens today in the, some some of the same ways. But it's happening because a person's religion is being challenged. If you go to a Muslim country and you challenge the Muslim religion, you're going to be persecuted if you go to a Muslim country and just as a citizen and say nothing about your faith you're all right. nothing's going to happen to you the same thing in a catholic country catholic dominated country as long as you don't challenge the religion you're not going to be persecuted just as soon as you say something that's contrary to the accepted religion you're going to be in trouble basically so when we talk about families if you say something in your family if you take a position in your family with Jesus apart from what they believe about Jesus you'll have some problems somebody has said all wars have been started over religion and that's probably fairly accurate but now here's what Jesus said he said I want you to do this he said I'm going to send you forth as sheep among the wolves so they're in danger I'll tell you, that is dangerous. Then he said, here's here's how I want you to handle it. I want you to be as wise as a serpent, as harmless as a dove. This is how you handle it. All right. Smart as a snake, gentle as a dove. Maybe not gentle as a dove, but just be as a dove. Okay, serpents we know represent the disposition of the devil. We know that. So he's saying, now I want you to understand, he's not saying I want you to be a devil. He said, I want you to think like the devil thinks. Be aware of what the devil's going to do. Be aware of your adversary. You know, a great general in an army has to understand his enemy better than he does his friends because he has to know what the enemy's going to do. So the devil is the enemy, Basically. In uh, 2 Corinthians 11, verse 3, Paul said, I fear lest by any means as the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety. He's sneaky. So your mind should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. Be aware of the devil's schemes. Be aware of what the devil can do. In Revelation chapter 12, verse 9, it says the great dragon was cast out that old serpent called the devil. So we know when he says be wise as a serpent he's actually saying know the devil and the devil's tricks get on to him don't let him get something over on you now the devil doesn't work by himself the devil has ploys and has partners as a matter of fact and some of the partners come dressed in flesh and some of the partners will approach you the devil will approach you through them now listen to what jesus said in matthew chapter 3 and verse 7 not jesus but what the what the apostle uh, matthew said when when he was writing this he said when he saw many of the pharisees and sadducees come to his baptism this is john the baptist he said unto them O generation of vipers who warned you to flee from the wrath to come So john is looking at those men who are leaders in israel and he's saying you are a generation of vipers. You're the serpent. The serpent is using you. Same thing in Matthew chapter 12, verse 34. Jesus said, O generation of vipers, how can you, being evil, speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So the devil comes clothed in flesh at times and can come making the appearance of goodness to you while at the same time being trying to entrap you and get you to do something wrong. The devil has stealthy devices. That that is, the the serpent has stealthy devices. Matthew 7.15 says that that we are to beware of wolves in sheep's clothing. Someone who looks like a friend can be an enemy. Now, we we should not be paranoid about everybody. We should not be suspicious of everyone that is going to lead us astray. But at the same time, we should be aware of the fact that, as a matter of fact, the devil can approach us and can deceive us and can trick us and can consume us through someone else. Someone that we can have confidence in. Now, we know that the greatest appeal in this world to get us to do something wrong sex money pride Okay. now if I know that the devil is going to try to use the tricks of sex on me then I probably should not buy a sex magazine I probably should not get on the internet and look up pornography and watch pornography You get what I'm saying? We should be smarter than that. We should know that the devil is going to come to us in areas where we're we're the most vulnerable. Why would I go sit in a bar and drink a soda pop when everybody around me is getting drunk drinking booze? Paul said that we should not be drunken with wine but be filled with the Spirit. So, and as a matter of fact, Proverbs chapter 23 talks about the fact that uh, when we look upon the cup, it will bite us like an adder. It will bite us. Anybody who's ever known an alcoholic knows that alcoholism bites. has a real bite to it, and so does drug use. So, for us to toy around with these things is really foolish on our part. Be wise, he said. Be wise. Think. He doesn't say go look at pornography so you'll know what it's like. He doesn't say go get drunk so you can feel the, what it means to be drunk. He doesn't say to blab off and gossip so you'll know what it means to gossip. Curse so you'll know what it means to curse. He's saying you know this is the way the devil can get to you. He can get you to lose your anger. Lose your temper. We ought to be smart enough. Jesus said Get smart. Be wise as serpents. Know this. The serpent not only gets an advantage that's that way, Paul said, we're not ignorant of his devices in 2 Corinthians 2 verse 11. We shouldn't be ignorant of his devices. We should know how he's going to get to us. How does he get to you? Do you know how he gets to you? I want you to raise your hand if you know how the devil gets to you. you know, you know where your weak spot is? You know where he gets to you? I know where he gets to me. So it says, Paul said, we're not ignorant of his devices. So we know, we know how he does it. He also, the devil, not only in the area that we've talked about, sex and money and power and pride and, and uh, anger and so forth, we know that. But we also know that, that the devil can get to us when we're weak in our faith. He can create doubt, make us wonder, would would a good God do this? Have you ever thought that? Have you ever heard anybody say that? Why would a good God do something like this? You know what that is? That's doubt. And you know who gave that to you? The devil did. In Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 it says, Wherefore seeing we have we are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin that does so easily beset us. You know what he's talking about? He's talking about faith. Lay aside the sin that does so easily beset us. The loss of our faith, doubting God. Boy, the devil can get to us in that, that way in a hurry. He can distort the message. You know, there is simplicity in the message of Jesus Christ in the gospel there simplicity there but it, the message is not for a simpleton follow me it's it's a complicated message it's a it's a message drawn out and it, it is a precise message god sent us a message from heaven and he guaranteed it and he protected it and it's here for us but we can blunder along and, and not pay attention to it and we can get it wrong if we're not careful it's not as if you can just read the bible and say okay I've got it I'm cool now I don't have to read it anymore I understand it well it, Paul said Paul, Paul taught a, a great deal had a number of the books 13 of the books he wrote of the New Testament and Peter talking about his book, said in 2 Peter 3:16, he says, "As in all his epistles, talking about Paul, as in all Paul's letters, speaking in them of these things, in which some things are hard to be understood." So don't think you can open the New Testament and give it a quick reading, and you've got it. Matter of fact, you're challenged. God has given us a message. He has given a serious message to a serious mind, to a serious heart. You have to look at it. You have to consider it. You have to put it in its context. You have to read it backwards and forwards, day in and day out. You have to keep it in mind because it is not uncomplicated. It has some problems in it to us. Mainly, we bring our problems to it and try to, try to arrange our life in accordance with what it says. But the Gospel itself, the Word and the message itself, is is not a hidden message. In other words, I'm not saying you can't understand it. I'm not saying that you cannot understand right away that Jesus is the Christ. That's very easy to see. That's a, that's a complete quick message. Jesus is the Christ. Jesus rose from the dead. It's easy to see that. And it's easy to see the text that tell you what to do in relation to that. When when Peter was asked by, by the crowd on the day of Pentecost, Acts chapter 2, and he just got through telling them that they had crucified Jesus Christ by wicked hands. And, and they'd used the government, basically, is what they did. They did exactly what Jesus said was going to happen. And they, they reached out and said, Men and brethren, what shall we do? Now, Peter did not give them a complicated answer. He did not say you're going to have to go through a catechism before you know what you have to do. He did not say you're going to have to enroll in a college class before you know what to do. He did not say that. He did not say we have to put you through a series of understanding things before, you know what he said? He said, repent. Repent. You know what they were struggling with? They didn't want to repent. That wasn't hard, was it? That wasn't uncomplicated. That wasn't complicated, I mean. That wasn't hard to understand. That's what they'd been resisting all along. John the Baptist came along and he said, What? Repent! The kingdom of heaven is coming. They said, No. Jesus came along, you know what he said? Repent! kingdom of heaven is nearby. the apostles, you know what Jesus told them to say? Twelve of them to start with. Seventy of them later, you know what He told them to say? Go out and tell everybody, repent. That's not tough to... You know what that means? Understand that you've been wrong. Sometimes it's hard to get a person to do that. But you don't have to read the Bible to know that you've got to do that. You just have to understand that you've been wrong. You know what? That's what Peter said. He said, repent and be baptized. How hard is that? Baptism is very easy. Buried with them in baptism. You go down into the water and come up out of the water. That's never been hard to understand, but men have kind of complicated it. Not from the Bible, but people have complicated it. They said, well, baptism is not essential. You can get that wrong, can't you? But you can't get it wrong by yourself. You cannot get it wrong by reading the Scriptures. It won't go wrong if you read the Scriptures. The Gospel is not hidden. Some men, be wise as a serpent. Understand this, that some men, some people, are going to hide it. But the Gospel, if you read the Gospel, it's not hidden. In Matthew chapter 10, verse 26, Jesus said, Fear not them therefore, he's talking about the opponents of the Word, he said, There's nothing covered that shall not be revealed and hid that shall not be made known. We're going we're gonna to uncover everything, Jesus said. We're going to uncover it all. So when you read the Bible, it's all uncovered. It's not hidden. Mark chapter 4 verse 21, He said this, He, he said unto them, Is a candle bought brought to be put under a bushel or under a, under a, a bed? Do you, do you light a lamp to put under something? Close it off, he said. No, not to be set on a candlestick. He said, "There's nothing hid, which shall not be manifest. Neither is there anything kept secret, but that it should come abroad. If any man have ears to hear, let him hear." For Jesus said, "He said unto them, Take heed what you hear. With what measure you meet, it shall be measured you. Unto you that hear shall the more be given." He saith to them, "To him shall be given, and he that hath not, from him it will be taken away." So. If you don't go get it, you're not going to have it. If you think you've got it and you're going to forget about it, you're going to you're going to lose it. In second, in First Corinthians chapter two, verse six through ten, Paul said, "We speak the wisdom among them that are perfect, yet not the wisdom of this world, nor of the princes of this world that come to nothing." Now, man can cloud the scriptures. That's what he's talking about here. The wisdom of man can overlay the Scriptures and hide it. So he says, don't depend upon man for, the, for your understanding. Go to the Scriptures. He said, we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, even the hidden wisdom that God ordained before the world unto us glory, which none of the princes of this world knew, for had they known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory but as it is written eye has not seen nor ear heard neither have entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for them that love him but God has revealed them unto us Paul said it was hidden at one time it was a mystery at one time no more the Bible is not a mystery unless you listen to the serpent you better be smarter than the serpent or at least as smart as the serpent you have to miss as, as quick as a snake because He will deceive you if He can. He said, If our gospel be hid, it is hid of them that are lost. In 2 Corinthians 4, verse 3-6. through 6, In whom the God of this world has blinded the minds of them that believe not, lest the light of the glory of gospel, glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. For we preach not ourselves... Paul said, But Christ, Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your servants for His sake. For God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. All you have to do is read it. And it will shine into your heart. If you listen to a man explain it to you and explain it away, it can happen, can't it? You know, Paul said when he got the Ephesian elders together in Acts chapter 20, he was going back to Jerusalem and he got them all together and he said, I am free from the blood of all men because I have not shunned to declare unto you the whole gospel of Christ. That's all he preached. He just preached the gospel. He preached the truth. And that gospel has been fully revealed. There's nothing hidden. Nothing left. Nothing left over. It's all there we don't need someone else to come along and add something to it to explain it for us it's all here it's fully revealed in Romans chapter 10 of verse 17 and 18 Paul said so then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God but I say have they not heard yes verily their sound went into all the earth and their words unto the ends of the world it's all here it took a little while to get here several years as a matter of fact but it, all, it was all un, unopened or all opened and all revealed in Romans 15 verse 25 and 26 it says now to him that is of power to establish you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ according to the revelation of the mystery which was kept secret since the world began but now is made manifest and by the scripture of the prophets according to the commandment of the everlasting God put that in your mind this is the scripture not me there is nothing in the Old Testament prophets that has not been revealed. If someone comes along and begins to tell you, read to you passages, prophecies from the Old Testament, and says they're still to be revealed, they're not. This text says no. It's all been revealed. It's in the Gospel. If it's not in the Gospel, it's not going to happen according to what you may hear. Okay. Okay. So we have it all revealed. There has been an attempt, and there will always be attempts, to distort it. So that's what I'm saying. The gospel is simple, but it's not for simpletons. The gospel is for people who have serious minds about wanting to go to heaven. Sure, the ordinary plain individual can understand it. But the ordinary plain individual is not a simpleton. It's not someone who doesn't have the capacity to understand and sometimes that's, that's the impression people give. They say, well, anybody that believes that Jesus is the Christ and is a Christian, look at them, look how funny they are, look, look how they act, look, look at all the things they believe. Can you imagine they believe that Jesus performed miracles? Can you believe that, that these folks actually think that Moses parted the Red Sea? Can, can you imagine all these things? So all of a sudden you have these wise people saying, wait a minute, if you had any sense at all, you wouldn't believe that what we're told faith tells me because the evidence presented in the word of God and evidence presented all around us the evidence of teleology in particular that there is a designer in this universe if you think that you just happened and it just happened that you got depth perception eyesight that you can distinguish colors that you can see that their eyes can automatically adjust and can do anything that the most modern camera cannot do if you believe that just happened because you needed them two of them then I, I would seriously doubt that you have the ability to understand anything else how can anybody even think what they're thinking with that you have a mind that can do what it can do that it just happened that no one designed it and gave it to you, God created us, He created us, and if if uh, people begin to think that you don't have the capacity to understand things, then uh, they they're seriously mistaken, and that is an attempt to distort the gospel story it's just, It's an attempt to distort the whole bible picture, but Paul said, "I marvel that you so you're so soon removed from him that called you in the gospel." Grace of Christ unto another gospel—that's not another. But there be some that trouble you and pervert the gospel of Christ. Well, we—we we know, of course, when that happens that—that that, uh, we're cursed. That's what the text says. The devil will attempt to do that. He will attempt to distort the gospel story and change it up to fit the situation, to fit the the circumstance. Now. We know the problems that the serpent can present. So, we try to be wise as the serpent. That's what he said. Be as smart as a snake. Know how they're going to come at you. Know what they're going to do. Know what your weak points are. Know that there are those who want to distort the picture, the overall picture of God, and would especially put their unclean hands on the Word of God and try to change it to to lead you away. But the... uh, The other question is, he said, "I want you to be like a dove." What? Why is the serpents harmless as doves? Now, this this is interesting to me. He didn't say, "I want you to be as harmless as a crow," did he? I don't want. I want you to be as harmless as a chicken. He didn't say that. Harmless as a magpie harmless as a blue jay harmless as a chicken hawk he said I want you to be as harmless as a dove you remember what the, what the bird was that came back to the ark after everything was over with
0: dove.
1: it was a dove it was a dove it contains a concept of being a non-threatening or non-intimidating individual no need for treachery or deceit. You don't have to cover anything up. A dove is a dove is a dove. Really. What do they do? They provide target practice for people who want to shoot them, I guess. But what what does a dove do? Is the a, a dove is not treacherous, is not deceptive? He doesn't want you to be a dove. He wants you to be as harmless as a dove. He wants you to have a dove disposition. The disposition of a dove. Wisdom requires knowledge and presence of mind. A dove requires the attitude or disposition of heart. We know that we need wisdom. That's, that's what James one five says. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God. We want wisdom, don't we? We want to know what the devil is going to do. We know we want to get. We want. We don't want to be sneaked up on by a snake. We're not looking for worldly wisdom. We're looking for the wisdom that is of God. The wisdom of this world, we're told, is foolishness. With God, He takes the wise in their own wisdom. Two Corinthians three nineteen. But the dove is an attractive bird. Did you know that? It's a pretty bird. Uh, they're all sorts of doves, of course, but but they're they're uh, they're non-threatening. They're uh, Likeable, basically. Now, understand, I know that there's some problems with doves. (laughs) I understand. There are some people who have real problems with overpopulation of doves. But uh, the dove itself has has a disposition that apparently Jesus wants us to to adopt. Humility may be part of it. I'm, I'm just thinking with you. Think with me. Be humble. Be, be able to forgive. Uh, love your neighbor. Be honest. What you see is what you get. Be genuine. Be truthful. Don't, don't be deceptive. So forth. Ephesians 5, 17 and 18 says, Be not unwise but understanding the will of the Lord. Be not drunk with wine when there is excess. Be filled with the Spirit and fill our hearts with the Spirit of God. So, the idea is, these men were were told, I'm going to send you out. You're not going to look like sheep, but I'm going to send you out as sheep among wolves. Unprotected. My goodness, unprotected. And they were. They were not guarded. They didn't have bodyguards. They didn't have anybody stand up for them and... and, uh, Go to bat for them. They didn't have anybody to defend them. They just they were there, harmless, and the wolves had at them, did what they wanted to. But he said, "Be smart, be smart, be wise, know your enemy and know yourself, and know what your enemy can do for you, do to you, and be as harmless as a dove. Be attractive. Be an attractive individual. A dove is attractive. It's a pretty bird." It's a nice bird. It's a calming bird, as a matter of fact. I don't know how kind it is, but I would assume it's it's not aggressive. So this is the this is the disposition that you take when you when you're talking to people about the gospel of Christ. It's not a fist fight. It's not a brawl. It's not a, a real contentious atmosphere. It's not somewhere where we can we can uh, get our tempers into uproar. But he said, be like a dove. So when these men stood before their accusers, when Jesus did, he didn't get into a brawl with them. He didn't argue with them. He didn't contend with them. He simply told them what they asked him and he, he replied. When when the apostles got into dis- discussions with others, they simply told them what the gospel said. They didn't get into a, a fight with them, a fist fight or a knockdown, drag out. They simply stated the truth that Jesus is the Christ and that my friend is how I, I would suggest that we all be in today in our own environment be wise know, know where your enemy is coming from personally and be harmless be harmless
0: don't be aggressive
1: thank you let's stand and sing our song of invitation